0: So I'm pleased uh, this morning to be able to continue with a uh, series of talks and explorations and practices related to uh, skillful speech and having our practice of speech be an extension of our meditation practice and in turn turn inform that practice. This is the fourth in the... um, in the series, and the other three are all on uh, Dharma Seed. I'll briefly review uh, what we covered in those three sessions. And the focus today will particularly be on how to be skillful with one's speech uh, in challenging situations. So this is like, those of you who didn't come to the others, this is like graduate school. And you must be here because you're, you know, you, whatever, you aced your <laughs> AP test or whatever. And you're able to go straight to the graduate courses on how to be with difficult speech without having worked on the foundations yet. But we'll do enough of a brief review of the foundations so that you'll be more or less up to speed, especially if, if we can practice it. So, um... Today, a brief review of some of the foundational dimensions of speech practice, then uh, some overview comments on how to work with challenging speech situations, then we'll do a a few short exercises which can give one a sense of some ways of working with challenging situations, and then we'll talk together. So... I'll probably uh, talk for a little less than half hour. We'll have maybe 15 minutes of uh, exercises and then uh hopefully 10 minutes or so for to talk together. That's my that's my plan. Okay. So speech practice is again so crucial for bringing our cultivation of mindfulness, loving kindness, wisdom, compassion and so forth, which are the goals of our our meditation practice, our spiritual practice, their speech practice is very vital for bringing those practices into the flow of our daily lives. There's benefit from just meditating silently every day. It definitely can inform our lives and bring a certain amount of peace, bring a certain amount of insight. But in a sense, the real work is to have those qualities be developed in all the moments of our days and to... Find ways to be skillful, both to be uh, bringing more awareness and more wisdom and more compassion into all the parts of our lives, but also to be taking those situations here of speech as opportunities for learning and growth. So that this is um, uh, this is the opportunity, and it also is the way that those of us who complain about not having enough time for meditation. Some of us are talkers, maybe talking two hours, three hours, five hours, or ten hours a day. All of that can be suddenly, with uh, support and, and uh, guidance, can suddenly be uh, a place where we can grow and learn and say, what just happened, how might I be more skillful, how to bring these qualities of mindfulness into speech. And we know that uh, speech is not just something that we happen to do, but it's actually crucial for our well-being, skillful speech. We know that unskillful speech can lead to all sorts of conflict, suffering, uh, breakdown of relationships, and worse. And we know that skillful speech can be incredibly healing, incredibly uh, valuable, you know, uh, when we're... Particularly we can think of when we're having a difficult time or someone else is having a difficult time, just a few words or a few moments of careful listening and um, a sense of connected communication can uh, make a huge difference in people's lives. We know that. And so... Um, there's there's uh, tremendous um, potential, really, of speech practice. We looked uh, in the la- in the in the three sessions that we did in uh, late June and first two weeks in July. We looked at foundational speech practices, and I'll just go over those briefly. Um, from the Buddhist tradition, we especially get what I call a a set of ethical guidelines related to speech. And um, we've sometimes devoted a whole session to those guidelines. I I reconstruct those guidelines as, first, the guideline to be truthful. Second, the guideline to be um, helpful. Third, the guideline to come out of a good heart, to have a certain quality of warmth and affection. And fourth, the appropriateness of the speech, particularly an emphasis on uh, good timing. Is this the right time to talk? Is it the right time to talk about this? And those guidelines go a long way, and you can work with them, and particularly with a ch- in, the, in our context of today, with a challenging situation, you can try to work with those guidelines. And I think particularly timing is particularly a valuable one because the teaching here is that all the guidelines have to be developed individually and they have to be brought together. Skillful speech isn't only truthful, because we can be truthful and actually use it strategically to try to hurt someone. We know that, right? So it's interesting. Being truthful is only one of four criteria. We have to have the other three. And we could could take a lot of time to go into depth about what these mean. And and we've done that in some past sessions. And I I like to point out especially that the third guideline on coming out of a good heart uh, doesn't mean being overly nice or overly, uh, what, codependent. (laughs) Apologetic. 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 Uh, coming out of a good heart can go hand in hand with being firm, setting boundaries, saying no. It just means the really asking where's my heart right now?" And of course, it's more challenging to have that quality of the kind heart when there are difficult speech situations. But we always want to do that. Again, this is more advanced training. We train in uh, uh, cultivating the open heart in protected environments, and then here, In the context today, we're bringing that out into more challenging situations. That's really a principle for all of the speech practice, particularly related to challenging or difficult circumstances, that all the capacities which become valuable in difficult circumstances have to be cultivated in less challenging situations to get them stronger. And so working with these guidelines, we can do that with very ordinary circumstances. I've mentioned how I have, by my telephone, the four guidelines. Often the phone will ring. I will say, truthful, helpful, good heart, good timing, hello. (laughs) And you can do that. You can do that. You can bring those to mind before everyday conversations, not just the difficult ones. If we only try to bring our speech capacities into play when things are difficult, it will not work. We have to be developing these capacities all the time. And so we develop develop those uh, guidelines. Uh, We develop the uh, capacities indicated by the guidelines. Uh, A second capacity, which I mentioned, which um, is a little bit more my own innovation, you know that the, the main teachings that we get from Buddhist tradition are especially on those guidelines. I think it's implicit that we would be also mindful and aware during speech, but there's not that much that's explicit about that. And so some of the ways I've been uh, with different colleagues developing speech practice is to also say that another, a further, not an easy capacity, but a further capacity of speech <laughs> practice is to work towards having both inner awareness and outer awareness at the same time. Not easy, right? It's hard enough to have inner awareness, right? (laughs) It's hard enough to really track our own minds and track our own hearts and bodies. But that having the quality of presence during our speech lets me know what's going on in myself so that I can take that into consideration when I'm speaking. I can know if I'm upset. I can know if I'm agitated. I can know if I'm angry. And I can also simply have some degree of presence so I'm not simply taken away by my automatic mind. This is, a, I would say, a second-level capacity, not a beginning capacity. It presupposes that we have pretty good Mindfulness practice. And so, again, I think if we were doing like a year-long curriculum on this, we'd have a whole very clear sequence of here's what you do first. You know, all we need to do in our practice is to know what helps me go- take the next steps, not to do everything at once. So if we're, new, if we're more beginners in practice, the next step would be develop mindfulness, get it, let it be stronger. When that's at a certain degree of strength, we can try to do these speech practices where we have some inner awareness at the same time that we're talking. Again, uh, more intermediate or advanced capacity, but it can change things. And we can do this in, in simple ways, such as simply having a little bit of body awareness when we are speaking, and you can try it now when you're listening. Can you have just a little bit of inner awareness, 10% inner awareness as you're listening to me? And that will develop the capacity. You can try that in meetings. You can try that watching television. You know, let me just have some body awareness as I watch the news. Okay. Can I track what's going on inside as I watch the news? We can practice it more easily where we don't have to be so active. If you're facilitating a meeting, it's a little harder. Right? If you're being at a meeting where you don't have to do much, you can try these out. You know, track what's going on. I mentioned how I like to be at a meeting and sometimes write down the guidelines and have a running mindfulness log where I might say um, happy, content, and then later feeling tired, negative thoughts developing. You know? And that helps, noticing that helps me from uttering those thoughts, right? That's where the inner awareness and outer awareness at the same time, as it were, becomes valuable when we can actually not act in certain ways. So that was the second capacity. Again, there's a lot we could say about that. And I mentioned how um, uh, I teach typically about once a year a seven-day retreat on speech practice. Lately with Nyanika or in Sofer, we have 25 hours of material, <laughs> that we offer, and, that, and even that's a beginning. So this could be a year-long curriculum, and maybe I'll do it sometime. <laughs> you know, I think, how many of you would be interested? Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's not being offered, generally. You know, you can do components of speech practice. You can study, for example, nonviolent communication, but you won't get the integration with the mindfulness, the loving-kindness, and so forth. So. I think I'm teaching that retreat next next June, so not for a while. And then the third area that we looked at was uh, an application of the discipline of nonviolent communication, uh, which when we t- when, in our teaching, we have integrated what's valuable from that with the mindfulness practice and with the skillful speech practice. And what's uh, the way that we worked last time and the way we'll work today is that we weren't particularly looked at the intention in our speech practice to both listen and to speak with empathy, with a desire to connect. And this is really the heart of that discipline. It's to have a very clear intention for one's speech overall, which is to reach understanding, to connect with others, and to um, basically have a caring connected communication with others. And towards that we practiced uh, some on empathy. And it's particularly valuable in the context of difficult speech because in difficult circumstances, challenging circumstances, we often have our empathy towards the other uh, goes out the window. Right? And I wanna just, you know, get get my way, I become more strategic. My aim is less to connect and more just to protect myself or get my way or uh, um, maybe get out of there, <laughs> you know, to, to withdraw. So it becomes more strategic. And, of course, we have to first feel a certain degree of safety. Uh, but we often go into strategic mode when, relatively speaking, we're, we're safe, you know. And so... This is uh, you know, again, there are a lot of subtleties to the practice, but here last time we cultivated the capacity when someone um, was talking to be able to tune in particularly what are the emotions of the person and what are what what really seems to matter for the person. Uh, those two qualities, which is about half of the core nonviolent communication model there's also attention to as many of you know, to Uh, making observation statements that are free of evaluation and interpretation. And also there's, there's a, there's a place for requests. Some of that is on the one side of the handout, which you don't have to look at now, but just to, just to review, just to review that. We'll come back to that teaching, uh, in one of the practices. In fact, two of the, two of the exercises that we'll, that we'll do. So a few general words on bringing these capacities of our speech practice into challenging, challenging circumstances. Um, and we can do that both in the context of maybe one-on-one speech and also we can do that in the context of groups. And there, it gets more complicated when we have groups or communities, but a lot of the principles are the same. And I won't speak so much about uh, groups here. I'll make a few references because it's more complicated. But I'll speak more just about, as it were, a one-on-one speech interaction. That'll be the the model that we'll we'll, uh, use, uh, or the context that we'll use to investigate. So helpful to just uh, think of uh, an interaction with another person that for you has been challenging or difficult at any time in the past. And you don't have to say specifics, but just think of that. And I'd like for us to get kind of a catalog of difficult situations. I don't think that's going to be hard. (laughs) Uh, So if you could, think of how you would describe uh, a difficult interaction just in one sentence. Like for me, I would think of... um, when we had an issue, the other person didn't want to talk about it. It's one kind of difficulty, right? Okay, let me, let me just invite people to say your one sentence, and we'll get a catalog of difficult speech situations. Please. Uh, I had a request, and the person says, I don't know. <laughs> I made a request to the person, and the person said, I don't know, in the sense of just not really giving you a clear answer. They don't know if they'll be able to meet my request, and, and they don't know when they'll be able to meet the request. Yeah, so a certain vagueness. Okay, uh, please. Um, my son becoming very defensive and um, ex- trying to make excuses. Um, person becoming very defensive and uh, making excuses. Okay, please. Uh, a family member, it could be a non-family member who is very overbearing and domineering. Anyone have had that difficult experience? Okay, uh, please. And thank thank you for just doing in one sentence. That lets a lot of people have time to speak. Please. Um, conflict with my boyfriend, like strong trigger of fear. Yeah, conflict in speaking with a partner, mm-hmm. uh, in which there are triggers which induce fear. Right? Thank you. Please. Um, you bring up a situation of something that happened to discuss at an issue, and the other person says that certain things didn't happen, facts that you know, you, you know, you're pretty sure that they happened. So it's hard because you're not even starting from the same place. Right. So uh, a discussion about something difficult and disagreement even about what happened. Right? How many have had that experience? <laughs> okay. Uh the uh two more? Okay. Please. Passive aggressive uh, uh, uh do, being defiant on purpose because they know it's gonna like drive you crazy. So passive <laughs> passive aggressive behavior that um one senses is uh the, you believe the motive is trying to drive you crazy.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. People know what passive-aggressive behavior is. Do I need to say more? Mm-hmm. So it's it seemed, it could be through sarcasm. It could be through uh, what it's it's um, uh, through uh, joking and saying, "Oh, I was only kidding," right? and what seems like aggressive energy, but it masquerades as ordinary. That's, that's, okay. Uh, it was one. The one more, please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, someone who uh, is very attached to their opinion and seems quite closed-minded about others. Someone who seems uh, very attached to his or her own opinions and seems closed-minded. How many have experienced other people as sometimes <laughs> like that? How many have occasionally experienced yourself as having a slight case of that? <laughs> okay. So these are great. So um might be helpful as we go forward, uh, both with the exercises and now when I'm going to... I'll give some general guidelines for working with difficult uh, speech situations. Think of your own situation or maybe one or two of them, okay? So starting point... Uh, Two starting points. One is to be open to work with difficult circumstances rather than taking difficult situations as simply my bad luck or a curse or, oh, why is this happening, right? Which some of us are prone to do at times, right? And so it's to actually uh, be open to challenges, which goes against a lot of our tendencies, right? How many of us were trained or conditioned to be conflict-aversive? Okay. So if this is true of you, you know that taking challenges is going to go against the grain some, right? So uh, how to you know to take challenges as opportunities for learning? Let's see, I have a few passages. This is from the Buddha. Some practitioner May be extremely kind, extremely gentle, extremely peaceful, so long as disagreeable courses of speech do not touch that person. But it is when disagreeable courses of speech touch that person that it couldn't be understood whether that practitioner is really kind, gentle, and peaceful. <laughs> okay. Uh, or there's um, in the Tibetan tradition. There's a nice saying that I like a lot, which is take all, uh, take all challenges. As the path of practice, or uh, from the eighth century, Shantideva. Therefore, just like treasure appearing in my house without any effort on my behalf to obtain it, I shall be happy to have a. I should be happy to have a difficult person for that person assists me in my conduct of awakening. Okay, so that's a, <laughs> a first. <laughs> First consideration. Is that graduate school? Yeah. Yeah, we have here we have we probably have elementary school, middle school, high school, college, graduate school, and post postdoctoral studies. <laughs> Postgraduate studies. So you know, and there's a place and all we're interested in is learning where we are. Right? We don't have and again, some things may be too much. And we can take challenges at any, any point. Uh, a second um, f- way to frame challenging situations is remember the intention to have understanding and connection. It's easy to forget that, isn't it? In certain circumstances. And it, it, what it means is really staying in your center, which is not easy. Staying in one center. Now, um, another helpful way to frame uh, difficult situations is to remember that in every situation, let's say here involving two people, there are at least five different ways to practice. And we can always be doing some practice. Sometimes we think the other person is stonewalling, shutting down, not willing to talk, Etc. therefore I can't do anything. But in every situation, there are five, up, five possible forms of practice. I can be doing my own inner practice with the situation, with the difficult situation. In other words, I can be noticing my emotions, seeing what's happening, being skillful with them. Secondly, I can try to be as skillful as possible with my speech practice, even though the other person may not be right? It's important, because a lot of times we say, oh, the other person is a blah, 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 therefore I have no responsibility. <laughs> you know, I, can, I can be reactive and so forth. So it's really, again, keeping your center in terms of speech and wanting to keep your own integrity no matter what is happening. Right? Now, again, we often forget that. Third and fourth aspect are when the other person follows those two kind of practices. And then a fifth, is when we collaborate together. Which is and the optimal situation is which is when all five are happening, like when you have a friend or a partner, and you're both doing your inner work. You're both being trying to be skillful in your speech, and then you collaborate together. May our speech and communication try to reach understanding and use all sorts of uh, tools and techniques. That's optimal, right? And that doesn't always happen. What that means is no matter what the other person is doing, uh, we can always do our own uh, inner work and our own skillful speech practice, no matter what is happening. Again, we, that's, I think that's worth, worth remembering. So, what to do in challenging situations? First of all, it's valuable... To do a certain amount of inner practice in a challenging, in a challenging situation, we can do practices related to body, to mind, and to our hearts. You know, with our bodies, we can know that when we get triggered, there is a physiological effect, and we can take steps to uh, not be re-triggering. Someone told me a few days ago that the brain scientists have showed. That anger typically only lasts for 45 to 90 seconds unless it's re stimulated. And of course, when we get angry, it's re stimulated, you know, and we know that we can be, our whole nervous system can be really affected by, uh, by being triggered, by emotions, uh, by, by, uh, certain things happening. And we have to acknowledge that and, sometimes uh, take a time out, sometimes work to calm our nervous system definitely if we can not keep repeating comments that retrigger us right if that if that research on anger is accurate, then there's a way that when we that we you know every time we say "How could that person say that we retrigger it right <laughs> and the forty five or ninety seconds continues until it adds up to two hours mm-hmm. right and so Because we know that something that may have made us angry five years ago, which we've worked through, the same thing happens and we don't get triggered and we don't re-trigger, right? And it lasts for three minutes. People know that? How many know something like that? Right? So we can learn, we can learn here. So we can work, uh, with the, uh, physiology, can ground, uh, ground in the body. We can watch our thoughts, uh, particularly we want to, uh, we want to track Am I going to a storyline in a difficult speech situation? Am I, go, am I going beyond what happened to jump, to blame, judge, say, oh, this person is hopeless, right? Or go, we, and we can track our thoughts. And a key aspect of being with challenging situations is not to keep repeating storylines that are negative and overgeneralized. Follow that guidance. And uh, 90% of the difficult situations will be uh, helped because the repetition of a storyline, a judgment, a blaming goes so far to keep things going. We see that, you know, in our newspapers. That is, you know, what happens in many ongoing conflicts, right? There's just a the repetition of the blaming and judging. And there's some subtleties to that, but that's important, that's important to see. So we can work with our bodies uh, to calm the bodies, not to keep the triggering going. We can work with our our minds. We can work with our emotions to notice them. And what what seems important is is to both practice these capacities in our meditation and then gradually to bring them out into the midst of action and interaction, which is not easy, right? How can I... Do this is where we start to see that in difficult circumstances, it's very helpful if we can do a certain amount of inner work. At the same time, there's interaction. We can say in the moment, "Am I telling myself a story, right? Am I, what what's happening emotionally? Am I, you know, am I lost in the, am, am I lost in anger right now? If so, what would be skillful? Just to keep asking that. Take time outs, right? Say, you know." It's really important that we discuss this, but it doesn't feel like the right time now because I feel really angry and reactive, and I'd like to come back to it and talk about it later, something like that, right? Very, very helpful in in difficult in difficult situations. Um, good. So let's. I want to do um, a few exercises now that bring in some of what we've covered. So it's, I'm I'm conscious that I've been uh, covering covering a lot, um, you know. We can all, what we'll be uh, uh, emphasizing is some of what I just mentioned plus the cultivation of empathy. Because again, in a difficult or conflictual situation, interest in the other person often goes out the window. So we'll do a few exercises. Let's, again, we'll do these in dyads. So uh, bring your chair in relationship to another person, one other person, so that you can be in a dyad with that person Raise your hand if you need a partner Raise your hand if you need a partner Okay, we have an odd odd number um, why don't you just join a group of two? Okay. Okay. Does everyone. Okay. 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 Um, so, um, first exercise that we'll do is one that we did a version of last time, and this is to become more skillful at um, at empathic understanding of another. And it goes hand-in-hand with the intention to understand and connect. So take a look at the handout, the side that has the list of universal human needs, list of feelings and emotions. This comes from the discipline of nonviolent communication. And take a look first at the bottom list, the list of emotions, and just kind of look these over. Because part of what we do with empathy practice as well as our own mindfulness practice as we become more uh, skillful at identifying a range of emotions. So we may know the distinctions between being friendly, loving, open-hearted, tender, warm, hopeful, etc. Or we may know the gradations between irritation, frustration... Anger, hostility, and rage, okay. and so we become more uh, emotionally intelligent. And in, you know, in the words of uh, Daniel Goleman, okay. and then look at the list of universal human needs. Um, when we teach, we like to call these va- basic values or or uh, qualities of what matters for someone. Need sometimes gets into a uh, some complicated meanings, so we can see their needs for connection, needs for interconnectedness, for competence, for meaning, to be autonomous, qualities of peace, honesty, celebration, different physical needs, and the specific specificity of the list is less important. But what we what we can tune in on is a sense that um, this is what the other person is feeling and this seems to be what matters. So again, uh, we'll do this first with me and then I'll do it with uh, with everyone else. So I'll give a short example um, and then I'll ask you to think of an example. So what I'll ask you to do is just think of an everyday occurrence that has meaning for you that happened maybe yesterday or the day before. And I'll do one, just to give an example, one that you could talk about very briefly, like in about a minute. So for me, I'll say, um, you know, um, I have to replace my roof. And I got five estimates, and some of them were so long. They were, you know, gave me like one, one roofer gave me like 25 options. <laughs> and... I'm trying to get it together, and also, it's, it's complicated, I wouldn't do it, do I want to put solar panels on, and anyway, okay, so, cut, <laughs> okay, so, what were some of my feelings? Frustration, confusion, Frustration, confusion little sense of overwhelm, anger, huh? anger? Mm-hmm. yeah, you heard some anger, um, some discouragement. Okay, you got the idea. So you're tuning in, and you, and some of it, you know, it it may not. You know, I might say, was I really angry? <laughs> and but and sometimes you'll see things that I don't see. Right? It's interesting. Um, and then if you had to tune in and say, what really mattered for me? What? Then again, some degree of interpretation. What was what was there? Order. What? The need, for order. need for some or, more order with all the, you know, yeah. like the right. Yeah, to make a good decision. Yeah, what else mattered for me? Looking at these lists, it's understanding. Um, understanding. Yeah. <laughs> to have some peace with my roof. Yeah. Okay. So that you got the idea. So what we what we'll do is um, first of all just reflect on uh, a situation that had meaning for you. It could be. Happy, pleasant, could be challenging, like my roof. And just reflect on which, what situation you'd like to talk about. You could talk about in one minute and just give a few details, just like I did, and people could have a sense. It could just be, I took a walk in the park and it was really beautiful. You know some, that's... That's what I'm getting at. It could be, I went out to eat last night and it just wasn't good. It <laughs> <clears throat> was meaningful in a negative way. Okay. Everyone have something? So here's, here's the exercise. Um, one person will each have a chance to talk for a minute. When, the, just like with me, when the person is speaking, the second person will be tuning in what are the feelings and what really matters you'll tune in, I'll ring a bell after a minute, then you will we'll stop, and the, the listener will say, I'm, I'm imagining or I'm sensing that you felt this, and this is what matters for you. And also to do it in about a minute. You know, These we could make very extended, take five minutes on them each, just keep it brief, because I want to do uh, two other exercises as well. Okay? Um, is clear enough? Okay. Uh, have one person in each group volunteer to go first. Okay, raise your hand if you're going first. Okay. Okay, uh, but don't go yet. Okay. If you haven't introduced yourself to the other person, uh, do that. Okay. Okay. So here's here's the exercise. So, yeah, please.
1: Sure where my
0: focus is. You, you don't need to look at the sheet. Right, but when I named those feelings you were saying. Yeah, just like you did with me, as as the other person is speaking, like with me, I was talking about my roof. You'll tune in and, and try to have a sense. What what are Donald's emotions? So don't think about having to match it on the page. Right, right. Yeah, I don't have to use the handout. The handout could be there for future study, but just to you know, just simple like okay, I sense some frustration, some irritations, some overwhelm. That would be enough. Do Two or three, right? That's all. Just name two or three things. And, okay? So uh, we're not going to start yet. We'll start when I... uh, I'll ring the bells for the timing. And the group of three, you'll have to... uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what to say for you because it's very brief. Um, just, okay, why don't you just do your own timing and do it a, do it a minute each and just keep going. Um, no, it'd be nice to have. Why don't, why don't you just have one observer each time, okay? You won't be able to do it all, but have one observer and then one person doing it and just make sure everyone is in one of the roles, okay? So, um, so what we'll do, is we'll have a little bit of time to set intention. For the speaker, it'll just be to talk for a minute. For the listener, it'll be to tune in to feelings or emotions and what matters. Okay? And so just set your intentions now, and I'll ring the bell for us to start in 10 seconds. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> i a smile. I a smile. <laughs> <laughs> So, you should be finishing up now. Okay, now the listener can say, I sense that you were feeling this, and this is what matters. And again, take about a minute to do that. And, okay, go ahead. Yes. So finishing up. And you can just uh, the original speaker can just take uh, have a say a few words. Was was that relatively accurate? Okay, good, very good. Okay, now we'll now we'll switch roles, and speaker becomes listener, listener becomes speaker. So let's have everyone everyone together, even even the group of three, if we can. So just to uh, all all go together. Um, okay, so speaker becomes listener, listener becomes speaker. And I'll give 10 seconds to set intentions for the speaker. It's to think about where you would be, what you'd be saying. Taking about a minute or so, very brief. And then the listener set your intention to tune in to feelings or emotions and to what matters, to both of those aspects. And I'll ring the bell to start in ten seconds. Okay, so finishing up. And now the listener can say something like, I sense that you were feeling this and that this is what mattered for you. Both of those aspects. can go ahead. Finishing up. So finishing up, and the original speaker here can let the uh, listener know. Was that more or less accurate? So we have a very... How many people felt empathy from your partner. Okay, so we have a very empathic group here. Okay, okay, now, uh, you can stay where you are, uh, take your half sheet of paper, and we'll do a second exercise. This'll be applying what we just did to a difficult circumstance or a conflict. Does everyone have a half piece of paper? Okay. Why don't you bring, yeah, bring those half pages for people. Okay. You can bring those up here. Okay. Thank you. So take your half page, and uh, divide it into four quadrants uh, equally. Line, horizontal line, dividing it evenly, uh, and a vertical line, dividing it evenly. And I'd like you to maybe first think of a difficult speech situation involving one other person that and this is going to just stay private with you so it's just something for you to explore right now on your own you won't have to divulge it okay so think of that situation and then the four quadrants are divided as as this the two left hand quadrants are me <laughs> and the two right hand quadrants are the other person okay and then the two uh, upper quadrants are feelings. In other words, my feelings and the other person's feelings. And the two lower quadrants are what matters. And what we're going to be doing is practicing empathy in a difficult speech situation, both for ourselves and for the, uh, the other person, who might be, we might see as a difficult person. So this is a silent reflection practice where you just basically fill out the four quadrants, much like we were doing uh, actively and verbally with another person. Here we just do it silently, like I just say, okay, in that situation where the other person uh, wouldn't talk with me, I was feeling frustrated. You know, what mattered to me was good communication, etc. And you can list two or three things for each of them. And... The, what was and the act of empathy with the other person with whom there's a difficult situation. That's where we're getting we're being stretched. That's what we normally don't do so much, right? So that's this is where it's interesting. Yeah. Are you saying that we're telling the other person our feelings? No. This right now. This is not uh, actual communication. Okay. It's more reflection. It's like um, it's like what. Uh, in that difficult situation, what am I feeling? Like me, I was saying, person wouldn't talk to me, I'm feeling frustrated, I really want to communicate. And then I imagine what the other person is feeling and what matters to the other person. Imagine the other person feels uncomfortable, maybe frustrated also, and uh, uh, wants uh, to uh, have more peace of mind so it doesn't want to talk, right? Could be that. So the, the interesting work here is on feeling empathy for both self and other in the midst of a difficult situation. So, is that clear? Any other questions just about how to do it? Okay, so just take a few minutes to do this now. Fill out. You should fill out this with uh, each of the four quadrants. Okay, so fin- finish up in the next uh, minute or so. Don't have to be real comprehensive. Just to have a, a two or three for each quadrant is, is plenty. have a little bit of uh little bit of discussion or questions if we were taking this uh, in a little while we'll do a just a closing exercise which will just take a minute where I'll ask you actually given this what might you actually say in that difficult situation and part of the guidance here I mean, it, there's a lot we could we could um, take as guidance but partly it would be to, Um, this can be very helpful in difficult circumstances to lead with what matters to you. And there's a way in which what often happens in difficult circumstances, you can see this politically all the time, is that people get locked into opposing positions. There could be an issue, then there are opposing positions, and often what really matters isn't there. So, for example... I may get locked into a difficult um, issue concerning my roof, you know. I want shingles. The other person wants um, um, <laughs> wants a thatched roof, <laughs> okay. You know, the issue is what to put on the roof. There are positions, but then what really matters for me, I want... You know, I want uh, relative uh, (laughs) modest cost, no leaks, leaks and so forth. So you can see, I mean, there's a so um, it can be very helpful to lead with what matters. So any observations, questions, please. Um, I noticed that that though I was um, impatient and somewhat not tolerant of the other person's behavior, when I filled in the boxes about what matters. Mm Yeah. between what matters to me and what matters to the other person. Yeah, yeah. that there was uh, a noting that when you actually are empathic towards the other person, you can often notice that you want the same things, mm-hmm. right? which is really, really important. And that just goes out of our minds often, right? We don't realize that. And so this kind of practice and this exercise can do that. You know? Personally, I think that something like this, done consistently and radically, could solve the Middle East situation, personally. I, I believe that, because when you go d- d- down deep, there is a lot of want. You know, aside from maybe some of the extremes, and this is this is one point which I didn't make, which is important, that the needs for what matters, uh, what we're pointing to, are more universal needs like peace, security, and so forth, and we distinguish that from strategies. Strategies may be unskillful, not so helpful. In other words, it's a strategy to control. I may control because I want safety. Right? It's a strategy where or, or, uh, I have interactions with people and I control people because I want efficiency in our decision-making, right? But there are other alternative strategies, right? But what's important is to tune in to the Actual, more universal need, uh, and that, and again, this is what uh, peacemakers do. Actually, they hone in on what matters, and they don't get so hooked by the positions and the ideologies. Yeah. So, other questions or comments? Obs- <laughs> observations? Yeah, please. Why don't we use the the mic so we everyone can hear? I think it should be on. You can tap it to see if it's on. Marty, can you help? Should be. OK. I'll I'll repeat it then. Yeah, so uh, an observation that there's a tendency with a particular difficult situation, uh, some anxiety arising to really solve this problem, which can get in the way of actually being empathic because there's so much of a, a need to fix it or get it done. How many can relate to that? Yeah, yeah so it's very common. Yeah, so it's great observation, really. And, and again, uh, we, we would practice with less difficult circumstances. Remember that when we bring it to the difficult circumstances, ideally we want to have developed these capacities with less challenging situations. We can't just develop yeah in the, in the most difficult. Uh, Pat, please. Um, where does transference come <clears throat> in? Like this situation reminds me of something. You know, where yeah. Where does where does a, a quality of transference come in, or some kind of? projection onto the other person of uh, you know that um, uh, you know I have a partner and uh, I don't know the partner is acting like my mother <laughs> doing wonderful things <laughs> I should give another example <laughs> or. Or let's say uh, no, I'll, I'll say experience, which I which I had. Um, uh, I remember when I, w- I was about forty, and I would be I was teaching with a group of people. Uh, a lot of uh, I was teaching like uh, in a college. We were, I was teaching a college seminar, and there, or it was a graduate school, and there, there but there were a lot of young men in their early twenties, and I had a sense they were. That I was their father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was getting all this stuff happening, and I said, "Where is that coming from?" <laughs> you know, like I was the you know, projected as the authoritarian father. So, how does that come in? Uh, well, I think that it, it uh, can make it more complicated. Uh, but you could, in terms of the empathy and the sense of need, you would just really see maybe see that happening. You know, and. And say, uh, you know, if I was being empathic towards those students I mentioned, I would say, you know, they were angry, they were, uh, the, they had a, a deep need to, uh, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe be safe in the context of authority or have autonomy. It's probably an issue of autonomy. So I would try to tune into what those deeper issues were while understanding the psychological dynamics. Which I could, you know, investigate, and if I was then reacting to that by you know, being like an authoritarian father, then I could look into that. So it makes it more complicated, but essentially we would still wanting to be look beneath the surface manifestations to what seems to be the under, the feelings. We could get pretty quickly, right? The needs would be a little harder to get to. Yeah. Anything else before we before we finish? So we could actually stay here another hour and explore this, right? I, I really love this material. And um, how many would like more of this? I'm not going to come back to the end of September. How many would like to, to continue with this as opposed to go to another topic, maybe continue with this theme? So I get uh, a lot. How many would definitely like to continue with another theme? Okay, so, so. <laughs> okay. so I'll have the two groups meet with each other. (laughs) Okay, so a final, final little exercise. Take your difficult situation that you brought to mind, and this is just a personal reflection. Imagine yourself in that situation. Imagine yourself as very centered, having practiced skillful speech, you're aware of the ethical guidelines. So imagine yourself in that situation right now. You're aware of the ethical guidelines. You have a quality of presence. You can keep your center. You have the capacity for empathy with this, with yourself, with this other person. And you can also bring all of that into skillful speech, something we haven't done as much on here, And just imagine yourself responding in a brief interaction with this person in this difficult situation. What might you say? just, Just by yourself in your own imagination, take a minute to see what you might say. And coming back out of that imagined reliving of the situation and imagining of a way to respond, come back just to being present here. And We can be appreciative of our practice. We can be appreciative of our difficult person for the learning opportunity offered, which may be offered in the future as well. And we know that we practice. Uh, we we do this learning. We do this exploration for ourselves. We also do it for others. And may the fruits of our time be uh, be offered ultimately for the benefit of all beings. So thank you very kindly.